We've got to remember that and we've got to keep our spirits high and, and remember that the majority of people on this planet uh, are, are, are coming from a good place. Howdy, and welcome to this episode of Conversations at Music My Mother Would Not Like podcast. This is the series of conversations with artists and singer-songwriters about the current projects and industry people about the current trends. The program is hosted and produced by myself, Bruce Swan, and the podcast will endeavor to be a bridge from the weekly live concert series to the weekly radio show. While unaffiliated, they are connected with a sharing of the same name, music my mother would not like. And you can find more information about the weekly series and the radio programs at the website musicmymotherwouldnotlike.com. The radio show can be heard live on WSFM LP 103.3 FM, Asheville, North Carolina, and it can be heard live on AshevilleFM.org. And programs are archived on the website as well. The program airs on Mondays from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. The weekly series with the same name can be heard and seen on Zoom and Facebook. You can get more information on the website and on the Facebook page with the same name. Registration for the series is always free. It is a donation-based event, and that's how the artists are paid. These podcasts will vary in length. Many of the episodes will come from interviews conducted live in the radio studios or via telephone and now via Zoom. Nothing is ever taken out of context and may be updated if it's possible and appropriate. The opinions expressed will be those of the speakers and not necessarily of any of the radio stations that I've been lucky enough to be affiliated with over the years, its owners, staff, or boards of directors. And you can support this project directly through the website's PayPal account. In time, there will be a Patreon account. They will have heads up on articles, interviews, etc. And if you're digging listening to all this, please tell a friend. If you'd like to support the show and would like a shout out, let me know in the comments section of PayPal. And please, please, please remember to indicate that you're sending the donation as a gift to a friend. In the comments section, you can let me know where you're listening from, and I won't use last names unless you say it's okay to do so. Any little bit helps, and if I've learned anything from my years in community radio, is that lots of big things will happen and get done when many hands chip in a little bit. And think about the cost of a cup of coffee at your local favorite spot. Maybe you're listening now while you're sipping away, and I'm glad to be keeping company with you, whatever, with, with whatever you're doing and wherever you are. Big thanks to the sponsors of the programming at Conversations at Music My Mother Would Not Like. We currently enjoy the benefits of being connected with and sponsored by HearItThere.com and UndiscoveredMusic.net.
Over the years, I've had the opportunity to get to know many musicians and industry people. The musicians are often the band's principal singer and or a singer-songwriter. I've also been very privileged to get to know other radio personalities, director of festivals, owners of venues, record promoters, and producers. And many of these conversations were to promote a single event, like a concert or a discussion about the new album or a deep dive into that project. You know, I find that sometimes as a listener, knowing a little bit more about the artist as a person makes going to the concert just that much more interesting. It certainly does for me. It takes a little bit of probing, and conversations are just about as much about listening as they are about talking. Would your business, your firm, your company, your project like to meet other cool, like-minded people like yourself? Well, maybe you'd like to become a sponsor of the program. I find that working with people that think the same way or share common interests is the key to getting things done. You can write to me directly through the website, musicmymotherwouldnotlike.com. This episode of Conversations at Music My Mother Would Not Like is with singer-songwriter Martin Joseph, he, who makes his home in Wales. The conversation took place as Martin was preparing to embark on a tour of North America with a brief dip into the United States. The pandemic has really turned the, world, the touring world upside down, and, and his was no exception. It was my intention to keep the conversation to Martin's current album, 1960, released in 2021. It was one of my favorite records for that calendar year and made it to the top 10 list. I've interviewed Martin a couple of times before, but like an onion, layers just kept getting peeled back further and further. He's a tremendous singer-songwriter, musician, gracious, and all-around great person. I really think that if all of us were half the person that he is, this would be a much better for all, place for all of us. We have the pleasure of the company of Martin Joseph, the new record, 1960. One of my favorite for the calendar year of 2021. I thought it was a brilliant and, and continue to think that it's a, it's a brilliant record. It's beautiful. It stands as, a, as like any great work of art, I think. Um, it stands the test to regular listening. And really what I mean by that is that there are parts of the record that are, are certainly familiar um, and are therefore predictable in a, in a good way. But I think that more importantly, there are new discoveries with each listen, subtle subtleties that present themselves in the record that may not have done so in, in the first listen. And I feel that there's an awful lot of really absolutely lush interludes um, that punctuate some of the messages. You know, quick examples might be in Felt So Much and certainly in Born Too Late, but really throughout the record, the album feels very reflective to me uh, on your life as a whole, but there are some really beautiful snippets that I think kind of we can all sort of relate to, snippets of memories that are also some of the smallest of details, like a single moment that can be expounded upon in in an inconsequential moment. And what I mean from that, and the example I want to use is in Felt So Much, where you're, um, you're looking out the window in, in your father's Renault, and your eyes are wide open to the sky, and you continue with your father's elbow is hanging outside the car, just sort of the crook of the elbow outside the car. And I thought that that was just such a, such a, a magnificent 
detail that didn't have to be in the, in the song. It really didn't have to be part of the story, yet it just enhances it. And it for me, it gives me something that I too can can think about. Yeah, as a big kid, we got to sit in the front seat, but there was no seat belts. So really sitting in the front seat was not so safe as sitting in the back seat back then. But, the, <laughs> but I remember driving places with my father. He would smoke his pipe and roll down the window and the car didn't have a radio. So he would sing songs. And that might be something that I would have wrapped in had I written the song. But And I'm really not sure where where the question lies in this, but it seems to be typical of, of so much of your work that there's a, a little snippet that we can hang on to that really is is reflective and um, adds some really vivid imagery to to the songs. Uh, well, yeah, I, I, thank you, Bruce. Um, I, I, it was, the, the, the whole album is a reflective album. Um, mm. I'm known for a lot of my sort of social, political type, uh, you know, songs. I, in fact, I, I released one today just quickly to raise money for Ukraine. And it's uh, um, it's probably one of the toughest lyrics I've ever written, but it's it, it, it talks about taking a person out. And I'm talking about Putin, you know, and I've just said, I've, I've stated the anger that I, that I felt in this moment. But when I wrote 1960, my head was in a very different place. Um, COVID had just happened. I'd, I'd been on tour in, in North America and I had to come home. And I'm a bit of a, a road warrior, uh, you know, well over 100, so about 130 shows a year. And I've often said if I could slow down for a minute, if I could get six months off the road. <laughs> and uh, lo and behold, you got to be careful what you uh, what you wish for. And so I was I was in this studio here in, in Wales and um, I began to write and I suddenly I, I became 60 years old. Um, I became a grandfather. Um, my father was disappearing in front of me, uh, well, in a hospital, sadly, uh, w with Alzheimer's. Uh, he doesn't know me anymore, doesn't know who I am. And so it was time to take some stock, um, you know, in, in the emotional sense and try to make sense of, of some of these things that I hadn't perhaps addressed, you know. Um, and... Um, so I was, I was thinking. One of the exercises I gave myself was, you know, what are my earliest memories? What are some of the various earliest sort of visual things I could think of? And and the the uh, the journey that you described nicely there in your introduction was um, was was this thing that I would lay there in the back of of the car. Um, I was five years old, and, and it's 1965, and my my sister's lying with her head by my feet on the back, and we we used to sing these songs. My parents used to take us on these camping trips to Spain which um, you North Americans are very, you're, you're used to long journeys, but it seemed like it took five weeks to get there. <laughs> We'd put the tent up for two days and then come all the way back again. But it was amazing, you know, and we would sing uh, Old MacDonald Had a Farm 20,000 times and um, and I can still hear the sound of my dad's squeaky windscreen wipers and the rain there, and I've always loved the rain. And, and so I, I just sort of closed my eyes and I could see him because he always had his, his elbow outside the window. He always got sunburn on his right elbow. He'd like to wear a white shirt. And the other thing that was the visual of that moment was looking up at these, um, the telegraph wires for mile after mile after mile, uh, it just sort of, you know, interloping and, and, and about to meet and the, and the telegraph pole always getting in the way, you know. So there was this almost like a, a meter to it, a rhythm, a tr like a train. And, and, and so I, I just, I wrote that first verse um, and I thought, well, that's nice. And I got a chorus and I thought, well, what if I could possibly extend the rest of the song to cover the next uh, 55 years to to bring me to where, where I am now. So I, I wrote about, there's about six verses there. 
um, and I feel like it's it's a poem of 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 um, of the dialogue of my journey uh, in 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 metaphor, of course. Um, and then uh, at the end of the song, we go back to my dad, and and the song doesn't resolve and just fades away, you know. So the the journey continues, but. Um, so yeah, I was. I just began to address these personal issues, um, and uh, there's another song on there which is deeply personal called Shadow Boxing, which is about dad. But yeah. um, so so a much more um, yeah reflective, taking stock sort of record um, that I think I'd wanted to make made for some time. I, I've 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 written a lot of songs and done a lot of projects, and um, but I think this one was really about an album to help me sort of ground ground myself in this moment in time after 60 years to the planet entering you know now in my seventh decade uh, and thinking well what have I done what's this about what can I still do what what made me who I am uh, what made me think like I am uh, etc and um, so it was it was a very positive experience and 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 it's it's been interesting because you know you don't know you're making a good record when you're making a record you're just making a record and it's not for me to say really whether it's good or or, or bad or whatever but there has been a fantastic reaction to this record across the board from uh, and and has opened doors that not opened to me before so getting reviews in certain music magazines that I hadn't been in before or, or at least hadn't been in at the same time so it it just seemed to capture a moment and um uh so yeah that's that's it it's out there and 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 I'm pleased and um if I had to you know pick four out of the 23 studio records that I'd made 1960 would certainly be amongst those four yeah I I thought the record was brilliant in in, oh, in each you. each track builds on and and yet it's still independent of the others and it it makes sense not only sonically but certainly logically and you open up with born too late and i thought that mm. that was that was really cool because you you reflect on on some of the things that you missed that you might have liked to have been part of you know is it is it my imagination or or aspects of some of the previous songwriters finding their way through the song for example there's a there's a guitar lick in there that sounds like glenn campbell could have written and, and it and it does present itself perhaps a little bit later on in the song and i don't know if that was a conscious decision or if it just sort of worked out that way serendipitously or it just you it, know where it, was it was a totally conscious decision that to get that twangy uh glenn campbell uh solo in there you know uh, uh, yeah it was totally conscious because it's cool, and I know we got. I want to talk a little bit about that as we get further into the conversation about the record. But you also talk about some of the other greats, like Crosby and Young, um, having wished that you could have been there to meet with them, or participate with them, or maybe just live their their life for a couple of days, a couple of years, a couple of forever. Do do you do you still feel that way? Do you, do you wish that you could have been part of that scene? Well, it. it, it uh, it, it's it's part of a bigger question, to be honest, Bruce. Um, and I, I'll try to explain this. Um, so I, I, I watched Laurel Canyon. It was a, it was a, a documentary mm -hmm. on this great amalgamation of you know coming together of Jackson Brown and Joni Mitchell, Crosby, Stills and Nash, as, as you correctly said. And, and I and I I did think, well, you know, what if I'd been born in 1950, not 1960, and somehow you know uh, could have in 1971, the age of 21, sort of been backpacking through the Laurel Canyon with okay. a, a guitar on my back, you know. So that was a thought. But it was also a thought, you know, going back to my previous thing of just trying to make sense of this moment in time. Um, I've had, you know, I was signed in the early 90s 
released to CBS Records and, and which became Sony Music and it had some songs in the charts and that sort of stuff. So I'm very grateful for my career, but you you know, we're, so, sometimes we always want a little bit more. And so I'm wondering if, you know, what I could have, you know, played to larger audiences or something if, if certain things had, had taken place. So the, 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 and that's not the wise part of the song. That's the question that the song asks there's a reference to Art Garfunkel because I toured with him for a few months in 1994 and the last thing he said to me before we said goodbye was you should go to Nashville that's what he said you should go to Nashville he didn't mean just visit it just take pictures he meant go live there be there camp there and, and uh, let your music grow there and blah 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 and I think that was pretty interesting advice it wasn't practical advice to uh, me at home with uh, my family uh, in Wales at the time uh, etc but again it's like well what what ifs what ifs what ifs you know that type of thing um and the other sort of strange part of the puzzle was i had this autograph from the great entertainer josephine baker to my grandfather in 1943 when he was serving in the second world war out in the desert um and it just said to private edward joseph fondest regards josephine baker and i uh, found this in an old um album of his from from his photographs when he was serving out there in the war and I just thought this fascinated me. So this was looking back and, and this moment that my grandfather and, and this, the, the Josephine Baker had met. And, and so a little bit of nostalgia there. Um, but the real wisdom of the song is the chorus that says, how long does it take for a man to know himself? Mm-hmm. And I, that, that has two avenues. One is to know himself for who I am, my, my strengths, my weaknesses and everything else. But also to know what, the real wisdom of you know um that you've you know i've had a path uh, a journey i've got a beautiful family great kids um i've managed to do um what i loved and and pay my bills with it for nearly 40 years now travel the world the guitar was my uh, passport to education uh, that a school could never have given me uh, the guitar took me to sit with people in the most powerless situations across the globe that changed my soul, that changed my way of thinking, that changed my outlook. All of this went into that realization, you know, that, you know, how long does it take for someone to really realize the, the blessing? And I, I've met people who know that. They're, they're, they're just wise. They just have that. But I somehow am always striving for the next thing. Well, what if I could do this? Maybe I could make this sort of a... You know? And I think the, the, the interesting about 1960s, I just wasn't trying. I wasn't trying to write a song that had a hook or that I thought, well, maybe this would fit on radio or anything like that. I was just writing songs about where what I was feeling about, you know, turning in, uh, into the seventh decade. So um, so that's what that song is really about. It's a play on, you know, Born Too Late. You know, yes, it's a play on, yes, I could have gone to Laurel Canyon and wondering what if, what if, what if. But if that's all you do, then you destroy what you have. And um, and I, I've, you know, that, that's that's what the chorus is saying, you know, uh, where real wisdom lives, uh, lies. And um, and to, to, to acknowledge that and find joy in that. Um, so that's what I was trying to say in that song. It's 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 very good. The um, and and uh, for those that have, are not initiated to the entire album, it is it is not atypical of the the remaining eleven songs. Here at there dot com is an online arts publication that supports the arts and culture of the New York City tri-state area with concentrations in the Hudson Valley and Western Connecticut. Intelligent, 
well-written blog columns about music and the arts can be found in the site hearitthere.com. Check it out. Consider marketing your upcoming events on hearitthere.com. I do. Well, at the time of this interview that we're, we're talking about and you're ready to embark on uh, another tour um, with a very, very, very limited dip into the United States, into the Northeast yeah. in mid-May, um, are any any chances of coming back? I know that I saw on the, on the tour sheet that there's a solitary date in October, but that's not how you spell North Carolina. Um, we North <laughs> Carolina is not spelled like California. I just want to point that out in case it was a mistake. I'm just saying, you know. No, no, what's basically what's what's uh, happened, Bruce, is I, I have to apply for an American visa every yeah. time, uh, I t- uh, every three years. And I, I've had quite a few of them. They're, they're not cheap. It cost me about two, about $3,000, basically, just to get the right to come and work in your uh, lovely country. So, um, and I wasn't sure whether we we're going to get that. So we, we put a, uh, you know, we're, we're all coming out of COVID. And, you know, I just f- finished doing uh, three weeks across uh, Germany, Holland and Belgium. So um, so we put it in the Canadian dates because I don't need a visa to go there, just uh, the offer of work. But uh, we were tentatively waiting to see if I was going to get this visa through. And it's a lot of money to spend if nothing was you know, uh, going to happen. So we decided to really hit Canada hard on this tour. Uh, we've managed to put in just four or five dates down the East Coast there, um, uh, mainly in the sort of Massachusetts uh, uh Connecticut area but I will definitely be back um, uh, well in the next two two years you'll see me try to cover all the bases uh, you know but my main my main sort of fan base really is down on the west coast and then down on the east coast and uh, I haven't done much down in North Carolina but uh, I I'd certainly love to come down and play show some shows down there absolutely I was concerned that you know Maybe it's just a typo or a spelling error or something. No, but no. I, I'm you, certainly you familiar with <laughs> with the visa <laughs> process. Yeah, it's yeah. a it is it is a complicated, yeah. difficult. It is difficult. But now that expensive. I've got it, I'm good for three years. So you know, I will uh, I'll be a, across as much as I can, and uh, I, I I love playing in North America. That's good. Hey, one of the things that I I also liked in the record we talked a little bit about this earlier was some of the mm. subtle instrument instrumentation that you have put in in, in sort of interlude parts the addition of accordion in places, violin and trumpet. Was this things that you were thinking about as you were writing the record? Did they sort of come into mm-hmm. as, as production or post-production? Maybe we can chat a little bit and flesh that out a little. Yeah, um, good question. Not really, no. I, I um, you know, I, as again, I, I, I sit in the studio and I, I, I primarily track, um, you know, I try to get one takes of everything. I don't like to do lots of overdubs and stuff. Um, so I, I try to get the basic track and then I listen to it and I think, well, can that, is that finished enough to go on a record? And, and, um, the, the, the whole album, the atmosphere of it, some of the, the melancholy, um, felt like it needed more in terms of arrangements than I would perhaps normally consider for uh, for my music. So on Felt So Much, for instance, there's a beautiful uh, orchestral arrangement done by mm-hmm. a, a friend of mine here in Wales. And, and um, uh, But I, I added bits as I went subtly. I had a lot of time on my hands. And of course, with modern technology, you get a lot of uh, little toys that you can use in your in your Pro Tools systems and all this sort of stuff. Uh, but then I suddenly, like, on one track, I thought, well, what about a trumpet there? To, you know, in fact, I, I had a friend who was working for a guy, uh, and he turned out to be a, a terrific trumpet player. And I suddenly thought, well, would he play trumpet on this track? And he said, yeah. So he played on it. Is there violin? You said there's violin. I don't think there is violin. Uh, but, there's yeah, there's some accordion. Uh, there's a nice pump organ sample that I found, mm. which is very sort of... Uh, 
uh, an old-fashioned sort of you know bringing in the sheaves type vibe to it, and and uh, uh, and an old upright piano that I uh, sample that I was using an awful lot to try and give the record a sense of age, as it were, to 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 show that it was not trying to be a modern record. It was just it was trying to rest within the. Uh, uh, within the uh, framework of, of those instruments that would suggest that there's an age to it, that it, there's a, a past to it, you know, uh, that mm-hmm. type of thing. So, so I, 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 yeah, I, I did put a little bit more instrumentation on this record than I normally would, but 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 again, in a, in a fairly subtle way. Um, and then, you know, Janice Ian kindly loaned her voice to one of the tracks, which was a, a great thrill, my own lesser. Um, and you can do that these days. You can get someone on the other side of the world to, you know, sing on your album and just send the file over and stick it in. And there you are. You're in the same room. So uh, it, it is it, mind boggling. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I interviewed um, uh, Annie Haslam and she had a beautiful piece of flute work. And I said, oh, who did the flute? And she said, Ian Anderson. I said, like, come on, really? <laughs> she said, yeah, I know, Ian and- I know him. I had to just ask him to do it. I yeah. said, what, he came into the studio? And she looked at me like I had two heads. She said, no, he just sent it to me. I mean, I just <laughs> sent it in. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. sure. Then we got on yeah, to the next yeah, one because yeah. I was really stepping on my tongue with that question. But uh, yeah. no, and you know, the other thing, too, is that the trumpet is not in your face. No, you no. You know, no, it's no. just very sort of quiet. And maybe you pick it up on the second or the third time you're listening and say, well, yeah, well, yeah, of course. That's what it has to be. Yeah. And and I yeah. love that because that that is consistent. Anytime that you bring in some additional instruments, it's not, you're not getting hit over the head with it. No. And, and I, I really, I, I don't know. I, I dig oh. that. Well, thank you. But I, I mean, I, that, that was the idea. It was meant to be something you could put on and really just, you know, not, not, uh, it wasn't going to blow your, your head off. But uh, it would just seep into your conscious a little bit and make you think. You know. Yeah, exactly. And then you realize, mm. oh, that's what that is, or, or yes, that <laughs> is in fact in my ear. That's it's, it's very cool. <laughs> Undiscoveredmusic.net has something for everybody involved in seeing, playing, and hosting live music. It's a very well-organized website designed to help you find musicians to play at your venue, what venue the artists are playing, and when. So if you are a music buyer, player, or watcher, in person or virtual, check out undiscoveredmusic.net. The album released in 2021, really in the height of the pandemic and on the heels of the wonderful EP, we, when we get through this, was it hard for you to be creative? And, and I know we talked a little bit earlier about that, but I've, I know from speaking with some of the artists that they found that it was very difficult for a couple of reasons. One, they felt guilty that they had all this time on their hands. Two, that they didn't know that they were going to have all this time on their hands. And others found it to be um, just very difficult to be creative in spite of, you know, during a time of really mass confusion and, and disaster. Mm-hmm. And yet others found it to be a real salvation for them, that the additional time and being able to work, that they, they, they needed to do the work to stay sane, as opposed to, yeah. you know, when am I ever going to find this this work? Yeah. I think I would fall into that category, really. Um, it, it, it's just a, a, a way of life, Bruce. You know, I, I, um, I mean, you can see me here in my studio with the, the guitars lined up. I come here every day. I, I, you know, I can't walk past them without just saying hi. You know, <laughs> it's just a, uh, so, you know, I, I would always do this whether I was, you know, uh, if I was a lorry driver, I'd still pick up my guitar every day if I could. I, 
I, I found it to be a creative time. I, I found that it was for, for me because I'm always rushing around like crazy. I, I tour relentlessly and uh, I've, I've got so many, you know, I got thousands of ideas on my phone for songs, lists and lists and lists of little riffs and stuff. And I found that I could delve into that. It gave me the, uh, I didn't, you know, I could sit here and think, well, this time next week, I'm still going to be here. This time the week after that, I'm going to be here. I'm not going anywhere. And that gave me a kind of kind of a peace. I know that, you know, and I, and I say that respectfully because obviously COVID was a, a nightmare for, for many, many people, you know. Um, but the first thing I did was wrote that song, When We Get Through This. The first thing I did was think of, you know, well, how can I help? What can I do? You know, well, I can write a song. And so I did. And that was a song about trying to encourage us to, you know, we'll, we'll get through this. We'll come out the other side um, better. We'll, we'll, we'll be a kinder, uh, uh, more caring uh, community. And I, I think to some extent that happened. And then uh, it was like, well, also, you know, I've still got bills to pay. So I, I got online and started doing these online shows. But I, I didn't do them that often. I, I thought there was an overs everyone, a lot of people were doing this. And I thought, well, maybe the way forward is just to do one every month or something like that. So I did that. And I was amazed. We The first online show I did from my studio here, we, we had 2,000 screens watching that show in 12 different countries. And that I was just so shocked by that. It was incredible, you know. And I didn't charge for them. We just put a little tip jar thing out. Mm -hmm. So I did about five or six of those gigs. Um, that was great. Um, and um, and then I started up the Patreon thing, you know, as a, a means of, you know, and I, I, because I've been doing this for so long, I have a vast archive of demos and old songs and in concerts from the 90s and all that. And so I've been loading some of those things up for people to get into and they've really enjoyed that. And that was a way of, you know, obviously helping me. Uh, and then it was songwriting um, and just uh, exploring my craft. How can I get better? Signing up for guitar lessons, believe it or not, you know, some online stuff. Uh, you know, I, um, uh, I've i got a lot to learn, even though I've been playing for 50 years and uh, uh, just sort of doing online stuff and just trying to just better myself. Um, so I, I found it a, that it was a, it was a challenge to, 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 you know, not think, well, you know, I'm getting old now and the, but, but to actually say, okay, what am I going to do and how can I get better at it? And um, so for me, uh, it was quite a, a, an inspiring uh, time. Some of the songs as the, as they're being presented, they feel, they feel rushed. And I don't mean that you, that you just threw them up quickly to get it done but there mm. seems to be a sense of urgency to complete a project and to get on to the next project because there's mm. so much that needs to be done um do you do you feel that way and as i'm thinking about particularly as un, under every smile um do you feel that the time is running out that 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 your 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 time is certainly finite but that <laughs> that there's a sense of of so much that you want to get done and you'd like to get done and it needs to be done mm. That's a great question. Um, I'm. I guess I do. I do produce a lot of records. You know, I do stick a lot of stuff out there. I'm. It's still trying to make sense of everything. It, you know, I. I think if I didn't have the outlet for it, then I would be somewhat uh, astray. You know, I'd be a, a loose boat in the harbor, and and. It brings me home. You know, to to work on on music, to try to pick up and the guitar each day and try to find something new in there that I haven't found already. And it's always there. You just got to, you know, and, and also to respect the, the muse that is in front of you. I've said this so many times, but if you don't pay attention to that graceful moment when something is offered to you, then not only are you being ignorant, you're being really stupid because it's going to go down the road and Bruce Springsteen's going to get it and I want it. He's got enough, you know. Uh, so so I, 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 I try, I, I'm desperate not to miss any moment that might, 
you know, give me some set, bigger sense or might answer a question I've carried around for, for many years or whatever it might be. Am I aware of my own mortality? Of course, you know, I, I, you know, like I say, seven decades. I, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm fortunate to, you know, have decent health, and and uh, I always, I've always looked after myself as best I can, and uh, um, my voice is in good shape. I think my voice is is sounding as, I, I, I prefer the sound of my voice now much more than than twenty years ago, um, and I feel like. Without sounding arrogant, Bruce, I'm on, I'm on top of my game. It's the best it's ever been. And when I play shows, it's the best those shows have ever been. And I haven't lost any of my fire or passion and the, 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 the belief that an evening of music can be transforming, that, that given the right conditions, miracles can happen in that room. It can change a person's life. It can, it can reinforce so, so many things that they've been looking for, whatever it might be. It will tell them they're not alone. And that's my job. I've always seen it that way. So I don't feel like I'm in a rush, but I am aware that, uh, you know, there's no going backwards. This is it. There's only one chance. And uh, uh, I, 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 I want to keep on doing what I do. And uh, I don't feel that tired. I feel up for it. And um and until that changes, then I'm going to be, you know, writing and and uh, and getting out there and playing shows. I agree with what you've said about a moment in time transforming <clears throat> you, or if nothing else, allowing you just to forget about your problems, to go mm. see a show, to see a musician play. And you're a singer-songwriter. You're a solo singer-songwriter-performer by and large. So at the time I saw you on the big stage, it was you, the guitar. And a microphone, nothing else. There was nothing, you know, whatever didn't happen, whatever did happen, you were in control of it, and that's the way it was going to be. And for those mm. 45, 50 minutes that set lasted, I was able to just forget about my problems. They, they, they would be there at the end of the songs. That was guaranteed. I got a lot of problems. But um, <laughs> for, the, for those moments, I was able to either focus on, certainly on the music, or focus on something that was important to me that was not related to my problems and yeah. it was it was amazing i was unfamiliar with your work it's embarrassing as a folk dj to say <laughs> i didn't know who martin joseph was but i didn't and now i do and i am i am so much the better for it and i've, I've enjoyed sharing your music and the phone always rings when i play one of your cuts i say who was that i said that was martin joseph with a y you have to know this <laughs> and and so they do and and um you know it's, it's always it's always a good thing Free programming is not cheap to produce. If you'd like to support this type of independent podcast, you can make a donation at musicmymotherwouldnotlike.com. I can assure you, you will have my gratitude. Thank you so much. I wonder if we can shift gears a little bit. Yeah. And I want to touch a little bit on, on the philanthropic work that you do through the organization, Let Yourself Trust. And I would also like to point out from your website that while there would have been plenty of opportunities for you to be photographed and shown in the pictures and be part of, of it, that it seems, except where it was appropriate in terms of um, the crew, the, the team that you're part of and that you, that you shepherd, I, I thought that that was marvelously telling of the type of person you are, that this is the work we do together and it's not about me and maybe, yes, it was my idea or maybe I had some of the backing or got some of the backing, but I really dig the fact that you are not, it's not about me. It's not you no. with pictures of 
indigent people or people with problems or people solving their problems. There, there, there's, you know, if you didn't know it was you, you you'd have to go looking for you. And, and I really, I really admire that. And I wonder if you could take a little bit of time to um, talk a little bit about some of the global projects that you've been involved in and some of the, the origins of it. And if people want to get involved, what's the best way for them to get involved with it? Hmm. Sure. Um, it was back in, uh, let me see, 19, uh, uh, 1980, 1988, 89, that I was asked by a, a relief organization to go with them to Thailand to write some songs. And they showed me what was happening with the sex trade um, there and uh, the great poverty that I saw. And uh, it broke me in two, Bruce. It changed my life. Uh, when I sat with people that had nothing, a lot of my very glib, young ideals of what uh, was the truth and uh, were, were shattered in front of me. And mystery and, and questions uh, became far more important to me than any answers that we might have. So um, I sort of uh, changed direction in many ways, my music. And, and uh, so I've always sung uh, uh, about people's stories. If you want to tell a, a, a nation's or a big a big story about what's going on, say, in Ukraine, well, pick one person in that story and, and write a song about that one person and, and the devastation they feel you tell everybody's story. So I found that music was a way of, of, of being able to do that, you know, that I could sit with these people. I couldn't help them. I didn't know, you know, how to whatever, get them food or, you know, change the political system. But what I could do was write a song. And so I did that. And then um, back in, uh, let's see, um, about eight years ago, uh, I went to play a festival in the West Bank in Palestine. And I observed life for young people there behind a wall without any hope for a future, no travel, no universities, no, and not even swimming pools or libraries. And uh, I found in the midst of this a beautiful children's theater run by a gentleman called Abed, who gave them a, a means of positive expression. Uh, he would show them how to take photographs. He would teach them how to dance. He would teach them how to play music, write songs. And I thought this was beautiful. So uh, Justine and I, my wife and I, we decided we'd like to support his work. We did that for six months. We raised some money and gave it to him. And we thought, well, this is this is great. Why don't we expand this? So we formed, um, excuse me, the Let Yourself Trust. And what we do is we just work with small grassroots organizations around the planet. Um, it's often a husband and wife or a group who sees something locally or on globally on the other side of the world that they're passionate about. And we uh, and they, they, they don't waste a single penny that you give them. They're very, very dedicated. And uh, we don't work with big organizations, just these small guys. So we find them, we work with them for six months, we give them some money and we move on to another one. So we've been going for seven years. We now have 14 projects that we've worked with. Um, you asked me to describe some of them. Um, we've worked in Gaza, we've worked in Uganda with albinism, uh, just a, a couple from um, Milton Keynes in England who have this big heart to sort of rid uh, the continent of Africa of albinism, a, a disease that still brings superstition and, and division and, and strife to so many people there. Uh, we've worked with teen suicide in, in, um, in Massachusetts. We've worked in, uh, in Belgium with a group called Mobile School who literally wheel classrooms onto the streets so that they can teach refugee kids exactly where they are there on the streets. We've worked with an indigenous indigenous tribe in Canada who had their river poisoned by the, um, the government. We helped them get a $55 million cleanup. We've um, uh, we've worked with drop-in centres, uh, a homeless shelter near myself in Wales, a small group of people that are called Running Space. They gather people together with mental health issues and just go out and run with them so that they can uh, uh, feel better about themselves. You don't have to have complicated answers to some questions sometimes, just 
community does that. Guatemala, a, a, an orphanage over there. Lot, anyway, there's, there's 14 of them. And if people go to letyourself.net, they can see these uh, things. But the great thing for me, Bruce, is to me, it's a manifesto of hope because we don't hear about this stuff. We, we see these dreadful headlines uh, now uh, across our, our, our media, the awful things that are happening in Ukraine. And, and uh, let's not forget, you know, we, we're not innocent either. We, we invaded a country on the pretext of a lie not that long ago. Uh, and uh, half a million Iraqi children died. So, you know, um, but despite this, across the globe, there are amazing people who get up every single day like you and me, and we try to walk in a straight line. They walk in a line of justice and love and community, and they are doing amazing things. And I believe that glass is half full, that that will always win through in the end. There are amazing things that happen across the globe every single day. Uh, so uh, I would encourage your listeners to check out letyourself.net and you'll find some hope and it'll lift your spirits. And uh, so that's what we try to do. It's just a, a small thing. Uh, but we've, we've given away now over half a million dollars in the last uh, seven years across those organizations. And that's not bad for a, uh, folk music, is it? <laughs> it, is, uh, it is not bad at all. It's admirable. And I think it is one of the missions of, of the, the folk muse movement, the, the, the genre. Um, to try to put something back. Now, are you, do you remain in contact with any of these projects? Is it is it yeah. a love them and leave them, or do you oh, stay God, in, in no. constant? We we go back. We've we've taken some volunteer trips. We've taken uh, I think two volunteer trips now to the West Bank in Palestine to show them the reality of life there. We've taken a group to Guatemala to uh, help build um, an art center on site at this orphanage up in the Mayan Highlands. Uh, but no, we we circle back uh, every board meeting every six months. We circle, but we get a report from all of these projects saying how are you doing. And can we help you? What can we do? So in COVID, we were circling back and giving grants out um, to uh, to a lot of the organizations. So uh, Justine does an amazing job of staying in touch with all these people. Uh, and we're continually uh, updating, you know, the news about them and uh, putting newsletters out so people can uh, get involved uh, themselves. The other great thing, just to add, is that w that money that we've raised, a half a million, none of it has come from a grant. It has simply come from my audience. It's simply come from people who put pennies in the bucket or who decide they'll give us you know five bucks a month or something you know so it's all grown from the audience and i'm trying to sell that as a model to other artists to do this too because because if you have a, an audience they trust you you know they they'll trust you more than some guy on an advert on tv asking for you know so if you've seen these things then you believe in them uh, talk to your audience about that and you'll be just surprised the generosity you'll find in their heart well i've witnessed it i stood behind somebody because he was the person in front of me who gave you $100 at the end of the okay. set. You talked a little bit about yeah. the mission, gave you $100, and you know everything was about getting on with the next step. Yeah. It was just, this is, this is how it works, and this Absolutely. is how we move yeah. forward. And I, I think it's, it's marvelous. And I agree with you. you know, the, the adage, uh, the load is light with the hands mm. of many, is really plays into yeah. that, that. You can do a lot when everybody does, even just a little bit. It doesn't, it doesn't require an awful lot of That's anyone. Fine. When there's That's lots right. of us, so I think, and there are there are lots of us, Bruce. You know, we're, I believe we're, we outnumber the the bad. You know, <laughs> uh, and and we've got to remember that, and we've got to keep our spirits high, and, and remember that the majority of people on this planet uh, are, are, are are coming from a good place. The the record 1960 is is a number that that you and I both uh, uh, share for the same reasons. It's fantastic in that it, it opens with you wishing for perhaps a smaller number, 1940, 1950, plus or minus, and ends up with the the song "This Light Is Ours," which parallels between the imagery you paint for us in shadowboxing 
and the sad demise of Glenn Campbell. And the song is in three parts. And if we can get a little bit to the construct of that, the the first part of the wreck of the of the song, and then there's a very short silence before the interlude. But there's 33 seconds between that instrumental and Wichita mm-hmm. Line Man. And so what was I mean, this is not by accident. I was listening to it on Spotify, and they could have condensed that easily. Yeah. So it's not it's not by no. accident. And I wonder if we can just chat a little bit about that and what the what the significance of that break yeah. was. Well, the, the significance of the break is that I wanted it to be a secret track. I wanted it to. Uh, I, it was my wife's idea uh, to put that track on. Um, I've always so Glenn Camp going back to, again to my dad because the album is about my dad quite a bit as well. And te- I'm ten years old, and we're watching. Um, Top of the Pops, which was the big UK uh, BBC, you know, and Glenn Campbell's on there and he's playing ovation guitar with this beautiful suede jacket with the thong things hanging down and, and he's singing this song, Honey Come Back, I Just Can't Stand Each Lonely Day. And I'm I'm 10 years old and I'm just drawn into the beauty, the melancholy of his voice, his guitar and this story. And uh, I said, Dad, I need one of those. And he got me one for Christmas, you know, and and and. Uh, uh, and off I went, and I was listening to um, you know David Bowie and Led Zeppelin, Bruce. But I was listening to Johnny Mitchell. I was listening to Glenn Campbell. Uh, I was listening to <clears throat> obviously Dylan and these these storytellers that over on your side of the planet where you wear your hearts on your sleeves. Now sometimes it gets a little too sickly for me, but for the most part, you know, <laughs> you guys, you, you you're not afraid to go to those places of emotion. The Brits will present you the best of everything, and we will lead the way often in many genres. But we're not so good at opening up and 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 displaying our hearts, you know. So I, so I was just really drawn to that. So Glenn Campbell, I went out and bought uh, the greatest hits uh, with all those great Jimmy Webb songs, and I started to learn to play them, you know. And so I was just destined to become this miserable Welsh singer-songwriter. And, and so it, it was a nod to that, again, because I was, you know, just I was summing my life up, etc. It was a nod to the fact that my dad bought me that guitar, had faith in, you know, he, he said, well, if you want that, and he, and he, my dad, you know, he, he half paid for my first album that I ever made. And um, I miss him, you know, even, even though he's, he's still here. I was with him last Saturday and he yeah. didn't have a clue who I was. He just wanted to, you know, he just, he doesn't know who I am. And that's such a strange thing to try and make sense of. Shadow boxing um, is about him uh, because uh, I went over a couple of years ago and, and to look after him so mum could go out and he suddenly got out the chair and he started boxing like this, you know, throwing some punches and uh, and we were dancing around the room and I remembered he bought me some boxing gloves when I was about seven years old and he, he said, you need to toughen up. <laughs> uh, he, my dad was a big, strong rugby player, you know, and I was going to be a guitar player. I was like, never going to toughen up. But so it was, you know, uh, it, it, and I, I wrote down shadow boxing in my notebook and but the lyric didn't come till a year later when I went to see him in hospital and he didn't know me and I came home and just flooded the page and went straight to the piano uh, and just played some chords, sang it, and that's the take that's on 1960. So it's very raw. So Wichita Lyman really is is there as a nod to my dad, as a nod to to Mr. Campbell, uh, who also, you know, sadly demised through Alzheimer's and what a brave fight he put up. Uh, like my dad, you know, he, he raged against the, the dying of the light, as Dylan Thomas says, and um, and 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 because it was it was the it was my genesis as, as a as a as, as for my career, for everything that took me around the world, for everything that uh, I have, um, was was just uh, some of the, that melancholic storytelling that I heard as a as a ten year old, 
that led me uh, down a certain path. Um, I didn't realize it at the time, but it was uh, it was very pivotal. And so I, Justine said, "Why don't you Why don't you put Wichita Lyman on as a secret track and let people discover it for themselves?" And I thought, "Well, okay." I th- I think it's really fun, and um, you know, when you when you when you see the silence, when you when you're listening to something digitally, you, you've got the the, the yeah. meter of time in front of you. And there's nothing, but there's still a lot left. And you wonder, is there something wrong with my signals? And so you, you reboot, you do all this stuff, and you say, maybe just give it another chance and see what's yeah. going on. And you fast forward. It's yeah. okay. It's cool. Let's let's figure it all yeah. out. And so, thanks for um, for settling. I love the homage. I, uh, I really do think that it's uh, you know it just covers the the beginning to the end. I also read that you are an avid yep. golfer, and as a as a young man, uh, quite quite accomplished. Do you ever look back and say, you know, what what life might have been different had you chosen sport as your mm. profession rather than music? Do you ever look back and say, you know, man, <laughs> rather be working Friday, Saturday, Sunday in the sun than uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday <laughs> well, late at night? Well, if you make night. the cut Saturday and Sunday, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I um, I've always thought that. The artistic world is a very strange place in terms of uh, your success, you know, because I know so many wonderful artists who, you know, n- never seem to get the, any recognition or even can't make a living from it, you know. And then you look and you see some stuff that sells millions and I'm scratching my head thinking, really, you know. Um, in in sports, it's usually, you know, if you're a tennis player, you got to beat the next guy, and you know, and, and barring injury, you basically get to wherever you're supposed to be, you know, by your, your the, nat- the talents that you have. Whereas within the arts, it's a very different thing. So when I was 10, uh, dad bought me the guitar, but he also joined me at the local golf club. And in my, um, I wanted to, I wanted to sort of, uh, I'm still looking for my tribe. I'm trying to please my dad. He's a successful sportsman. I want to, I want him to be proud of me in that sense, you know, so, and I could hit this golf ball and I was good at it. And I had the feel and the touch and I'm playing off a, a one handicap by the time I'm 15 years old and playing sort of nationally, you know, going around in tournaments. And, and for a while that was, that was my dream was that Jack Nicholas was my hero was along with Glenn Campbell. It was Jack Nicholas. you know, I, I thought he was the most amazing sportsman and, uh, and I wanted to be him. And so I, I, I put a lot of energy and time into that. And my dad supported me in that too, uh, through till about age of 21, 22. I didn't have a clue I was going to be a musician uh, as a living. And uh, that's what I wanted to do. And I was working part-time for my dad and going around the country. But I know, I know you know, I, I, you've got to be so good at these things. You've got to be amazing. And I was good, but nowhere near good enough. And now I, I still play it. I, I, I get to play it sometimes as I travel. And uh, that's my, my happy place too, is to go out there and just uh, enjoy uh you know this uh the nature and and the the, uh, the breath and the the wind in my face and be able to hit that ball down the middle and pick up the bag and walk towards it that's uh that's that's my happy place too yeah it's a game that i've was never very it's, forgiving it's a, for me it's a bugger um, <laughs> what did churchill say it's a it's a game designed by uh the devil to be played with tool play, Played by fools with inadequate that's, tools. That's right. Or as uh, someone once said, a, a good book or a good walk spoiled. You 
know, the record does open with Born Too Late, um, wishing to be older, you know, and, and, and also fleshing out the, the, the philosophical questions for yourself. And in Here Comes the Young, um, the title track, which is really almost anthemic uh, in listening to it. And if, if picking age were even possible, so therefore you, you get a choice. I mean, why not? This is Zoom. You can go forward, backward, or stay where you are. Where, where do you think you'd, you'd like to be in that equation? Um, well, Here Come Young was a separate record. That was the record before. So mm-hmm. um, um, where would I like to be? Well, part of me would like to be 32 years old again, just signed to Sony. Yeah. Um, you're with the biggest record label in the world, but I need me now as my 32-year-old so that I've got these much better songs. I know myself so much better. I know the sort of music and where I want it to take me and what I want to do with it. Uh, and uh, I'd love to go back there, but on, only on the, uh, on the, on the uh, assumption that I could take my 61-year-old self there <laughs> as well <laughs> in a 32-year-old body. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> No, no, I think it's, it's I think it's the perfect answer. I, I really yeah. do, you know, because because it's not possible. Yeah. And I think we do have to take stock of where we are and where we yeah. were and where we'd like to be. So final question. Okay. And besides touring, um, any plans for a new yeah. record? I know the, the last one just came out, but it's a DJ kind of required question. Okay. So I'm obligated. to. Sure. Do. No, I uh, I mean, I, I put a record out today. As I said, you can find it on uh, Bandcamp. It's uh, it's called I Take You Out. So I'm, 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 I'm fairly very proactive in terms of I've got so many ideas, but I, I, the next record is already taking shape. Uh, it's going to be quite uh, an acoustic guitar record, but with some thump to it as well. So I'm thinking even maybe just just percussion and, and acoustic guitar. Uh, but I've got a, a lot of ideas. Um, I don't know what I want to say yet. Um, that will come uh, in due course. Uh, but um, but yeah, I'll be working on a, a new record. And um, where are we? So hopefully this time next year we'll be doing another interview, Bruce, and you'll be telling me how much you like the new record. <laughs> I, I it's hope. hard to imagine one better, oh, but and, and I don't mean that as as just blowing around a lot of sunshine, but I think there's there's there is that maturity that seems to continue to find its way to to no. the music that it, that it continues to expand. That each record is. Um, well, for example, Pink Floyd, I, I never quite seemed to be current with Pink Floyd, David Bowie, some of the other real greats in, in the prog scene. And that is that, that it took me so long to try to figure out what the current record was, that they were already on to something else. There, there is a continuity in your music, but yet you're not resting mm. on um, what worked on the last record. That, that it's not completely different, but it is completely different because it's not the same, and yet it's not... You know, very, very different. It's not. It's not. A, it's not a Dylan progression of two records that are the same, and then two that are completely different, and then two more that are completely. Di- so that that I, I really, um, I yeah. really dig. Yeah. No. I, I, thank you. I. I um, I'm always excited. I. 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 Um, I'm, I never grow tired of making playing music. I never grow tired of. Uh, oh, another gig tonight. It, it. You know, I might be physically tired, but I. I. I, I love the job, and I'm. Um, I'm trying to. I'm trying to make that record that really sort of that, that that if I only had to make that one record that would be it. I'm still looking for that one one album, you know. Um, yeah, but then what? Then what happens if you make that record? Then, then I what make happens? a better one. <laughs> 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 I, I 
I think it's it, it's not so much making the better album, but, but making that album that represents uh, what I what I am and what I do and what I think and and how I uh, you know you know uh, and just 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 trying to follow the muse and and just try to make that record that you know when I can't only do it anymore, people will will go on and say that guy he did some good work that that'll do me. Lots of people will be saying that. Martin Joseph, thank you so much for your time. I um, wish you the best, and and, uh, we'll see if we can't get the spelling of North Carolina correct at least. I'm coming. I'm coming, man. Amen. I'll be there. North Carolina. Won't be long. Okay. Thank you. This was the ninth episode of the podcast series, Conversations at Music My Mother Would Not Like. You can get more information about the weekly radio shows and the weekly stream series at the website musicmymotherwouldnotlike.com. Many thanks and to Martin Joseph for, for making some time for this conversation. It's always a pleasure to speak with him, and I'm always looking forward to the next time as soon as the call ends. My thanks also to Carrie Estrin of Carrie Estrin Management and Consulting for her assistance with connecting the dots between myself and Martin's management and to Nikki Woodhead of Pipe Records for making all the final connections work. And a big thanks to the sponsors, hearitthere.com, as it sounds, H-E-A-R-I-T-T-H-E-R-E.com, hearitthere.com, and undiscoveredmusic.net. And finally, thank you to you, for listening and helping me spread the word about these podcasts. So until next time, don't take any wooden nickels, and so long for now. Silence in the air